Hi everyone, my name's Mark and last week we started a new sermon series in the New Testament book of James. A fiercely practical book that exhorts us to live out our faith and not be double-minded, that's a key word in the book of James, but let our actions and all of our life mirror the faith we proclaim. Now the letter itself is punchy, it is direct, although at first glance it can seem that the author is somewhat all over the place as he darts from one subject to the next. So take chapter one, it starts off with trials in verses two to four, but then moves on to wisdom in verses five to seven, then double-mindedness in verse eight, rich and poor, verses nine to 11, back to trials in verse 12, on to temptations in verses 13 to 15, and that is just the first half of chapter one. Now, like for someone like me, who tends to like order and logic. I mean, I'm the sort of person that each day likes to make a to-do list and decide in which order to do each of the tasks. And then I tick them off one by one. And if I do something that's not on the list, you know what I do? I write it into the list in the right place and then tick that off, you know, because order, logic. And so you come to the book of James, or at least I do, and I'm like, what is going on here? And how is his argument working? So you can imagine my excitement when this week I discovered that in the original language, the word used for trials in verse 2 and verse 12 is the same word used for temptation in verses 13 and 14. Now, you might say, Mark, what's exciting about that? Let me tell you why it's exciting, or at least why it excites me. Because it means... There is order and logic to this opening chapter and the whole book. That there is a deliberate link between the trials of verses 1 to 8 and the temptations of verses 9 to 18. Every trial carries with it a temptation. And this is so relevant for us today with the two major trials that we are facing right now, with the lockdown and the fight for racial inequality. Last week, we saw how God uses these trials to grow us in our faith, to move us onto maturity, completion. This week, we are going to see that these same trials can cause damage to our faith if we give in to temptation. And so the question is, what are these temptations exactly? Where do they come from? How do we resist them? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. <clears throat> Three things for us to see. First, the context of temptation. And the context is every trial, every circumstance. The particular circumstance here in James is not a lockdown, not racial inequality, but a socioeconomic inequality. Rich and poor. And in verse 9, James says to the poor, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. In other words, whether you're rich or poor, whatever your circumstance, there will be temptation. For the poor, there's the temptation to feel lowly, to feel insignificant, to be envious of the rich. And for the rich, there is the temptation to pride, 
to think too highly of yourself, to look down on the poor. Now, there is an opportunity to grow, as James, James has been saying, through trials, for the poor to take pride in their high position, because there is no greater status than being loved and forgiven by God, as they are now, as believers in Jesus Christ, belonging to God, an eternal inheritance. And there is an opportunity for the rich, again, to take pride, notice, in their humiliation, recognising that ultimately their money, their status, it's a gift from God. And one day it will all fade away, including themselves, like blossom falling from the tree. They are nothing except who they are in Jesus Christ. And so can you see whether you're rich, poor, whoever you are, whatever your trial, your circumstance, it carries a temptation. And we can either grow through our trials as we see the way the Lord is growing us, maturing us, or we can give in and succumb to temptation and so become more proud, more envious, rather than more humble and more thankful. My great prayer for us as a church family through this lockdown is for each of us to be drawn closer to Jesus Christ, to have our faith in him strengthened. But for that to happen, we each of us need to be aware of the particular temptations we are going to be facing during lockdown. Be it impatience for the lockdown to come to an end. Be it frustration towards the government's response. Be it a giving in to boredom, a falling into laziness, perhaps just getting stressed out by all the extra work and homeschooling the kids. Each of us will face our own particular temptations. Can I ask, what is it for you? Similarly, with the George Floyd protests, my great prayer is that through this as a church, we'll become more united, even more strengthened together as a community. But for that to happen, we need to have our eyes open to the particular temptations that we will be faced through it. Be it for the white majority, a temptation to pride and think there's not really that big a problem. Remain silent about it or not follow through in action with the promises made. Or for the black minority, to a temptation to let a root of bitterness set in or not give the benefit of the doubt to... Um, those who are trying to make a difference. None of us is immune to temptation. And so if we want to grow in our faith through our trials and not do damage to our faith, we need to be aware of the particular temptations that we will be faced with. Do you know what they are for you? And if not, well, ask God now to show them to you. Well, if that's the context of temptation, let's move on secondly to the nature of temptation. And the key point here is to see that temptation never comes from God, but instead comes from our own innate desire. Look with me at verse 13. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. In other words, God may bring trials into your life, but he never brings temptation. The opportunity to grow in your faith, yes, 
that comes from God. But the potential to sin, no, that comes from you. It's interesting that James does not mention the devil here as he's speaking about temptation, although the devil will make an appearance later on in chapter 4. And that is because James wants to place the responsibility for sin and temptation firmly on human shoulders. Now, notice that God can never tempt us because God himself, verse 13, can never be tempted by evil himself. God is too pure. He is too perfect. He is too full of goodness to ever be enticed in any way by a desire for evil, let alone tempt anyone else with that evil. And that means whatever the trial, whatever the circumstance that God brings into our life, it really is for our good. God is on our side. Often when life is difficult in certain trials, we we can begin to question God's character. But no temptation ever comes from him. He's not deliberately trying to press our buttons. He's not trying to deliberately push us over the edge. No, he's trying to mature us in our faith. Notice, secondly, how the temptations do indeed come from us. As verse 14, each person is dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. It is not that temptation itself is a sin, but every temptation does come from our own innate desire to sin. John Owen, the English theologian who some have called the greatest theologian England has ever produced, he wrote a lot about the nature of sin and temptation and in one of his books entitled The Nature power, deceit and prevalency of indwelling sin in believers. They had quite the titles back then, didn't they? He says the following. Temptations and occasions put nothing into a person, but only draw out what was in them before. And in case we are in any danger of downplaying the seriousness of temptation, James goes on to say that left unchecked, desire conceives. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when fully grown, gives birth to death. Now, do you see how serious these temptations are that we face in our trials? And do you see how the responsibility to resist that temptation and the responsibility for our sin falls squarely upon our shoulders? It is very easy to blame other people, our circumstances, the lockdown for our sin. Oh, it's because of the lockdown that you know, I've lost my joy in the Lord. You know, this, this, these heightened agitations and tensions I, I feel, my, my stress with, with all the extra the, the burdens, it, you know, it's the lockdown. And James is saying, no, 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 you, you can't blame the lockdown. The lockdown's not the thing that's driving you crazy. Your own desires are the things that are driving you crazy. Deep down, it is a desire for freedom for comfort, for control, to name just a few. And the fact that you can't get those things right now, you can't get what you want, that is what is driving you crazy. Lockdown, John Owen would say, puts nothing in you. It only draws out what was in you already. 
That word evil in verse 14, evil desire, it's not actually there in the original Greek. The word is epithumeia. Epi over thumeia desire. Literally, an over desire. There is nothing wrong in and of itself to desire some freedom, some comfort, some control. The problem comes when it's an over-desire, when you want it too much, when you can't live without it, when you look for your ultimate meaning and joy and satisfaction in this thing when it can only and should only be found in the Lord. That is when it becomes a problem. That is when you will be enticed. That is when you will give birth to sin. Now, if we apply this to the George Floyd protests at the moment, why is it that the church has historically been so slow to speak up for racial equality or to take action in fighting for it? Now, there'll be a whole load of reasons, but we cannot blame it purely on external factors. And we must never blame God for it. But instead, we need to reckon with the desires of the human heart and the desire for power and clinging to power and not wanting to share it with others. Or a desire for comfort and not wanting to rock the boat. A fear for change and upsetting the status quo. A concern for one's own reputation and not wanting to admit fault. Historic abuses or current blind spots. If we want to take seriously the issue of sin and temptation, then we need to take seriously, very seriously, what is going on deep down in our hearts and what you and I really want. Because we may profess that God is sovereign, but then deep down still want to call the shots in our lives. And so we end up disobeying God's word where we disagree with it. We may profess that God is for all people and yet still want to be seen as better than other people. And so we put them down, whether consciously or not, and discriminate against them. We may say that God is a God of forgiveness and yet deep down we still want to be seen by others as good and respectable, upstanding members of the community. And so we hide our sin and lack vulnerability with other people. And James says this is double-minded. And it is very, very dangerous. And until you reckon with these temptations and with the desires of what's going on in your heart and what you truly want, you will not grow in your faith. Actually, you will give birth to sin and death. And so how do we deal with it? How do we deal with these temptations? Well, let's move on thirdly to the answer to temptation. Let me read from verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, notice what James does not say. He does not say, just stop it. When temptation comes, ignore it. Don't indulge it. Just stop it. He doesn't say that. He starts talking about God, his character, his goodness, his generosity. At first glance, it seems that James is changing the subject again, but he's not because of that word birth that links these two sections together. 
Sin may give birth to death, but God gives birth to life. In other words, you want to resist temptation? James says what you need is a clearer vision of God. Now you say, how does that work exactly? Well, let me try and explain it with an illustration. Earlier on this week, Jemima, one of my daughters, was using the scissors to open up a parcel that just come through the post. No problem with that at all. But afterwards, she was mucking around with her siblings and she was still holding on to the scissors and she was flaying her arms around. And I was really concerned that she was going to hurt herself, hurt one of her siblings. And so I said to her, hey, look, put the scissors down. She didn't. I said, just stop it. She wouldn't. I tried to grab the scissors to sort of pry them away from her, but she's getting older now and she can grab really tight and I don't want to be mucking around with scissors trying to pull it off if it's going to hurt her, you know, or hurt me. I saw her favourite soft toy lying on the floor. I picked it up. I showed it to her. Immediately, she says, Mimi, drops the scissors and grabs it. Why? Because she wanted the Mimi more. How are we going to say no to temptation? How are we going to let go of sin in our lives? It's not going to come about by simply by just saying no. It's going to come by wanting something else more. And that something has to be God. Why is it that we desire money so much? Is it not for security, for status, to name just a couple of reasons? But can we not see that... To have God as your father is to be eternally secure in his love. Why do we desire marriage, family so much? Is it not for happiness, for satisfaction? But to have God as your father is to have the one relationship that truly satisfies. And actually makes sense and brings perspective and helps you in all other human relationships. Why do we get so bored in lockdown? Why are we so silent over racial issues? Is it not a desire for pleasure, for comfort? But at God's right hand, the psalmist says, are pleasures forevermore. He is the only one who can truly bring comfort to our lives and even through death. Now, do you see how it works? Please don't mishear me not saying here that it's wrong to say no to sin. Of course not. The Bible tells us to say no to sin. It's how we say no. Not just saying no, but wanting God more and then saying no to temptation. And so what particular character of God do you need a clearer vision of right now with the particular temptation that you are facing? For example, if it is sexual temptation that you are facing right now to relieve boredom during lockdown, can you see that whilst it is fine to want you know, some measure of satisfaction, it's not going to be found in porn or mental fantasies. It will not satisfy. Even if it satisfies a bit, that will not last. And then the feelings of guilt will set in. No, only God can satisfy the longings of the human heart. Are you tempted to grumble and complain? God is generous. He gives in abundance. Do you struggle with fear? God will never leave you or forsake you. Do you still want to call the shots in your life? God 
gave his only son for you, to die for you, to show how much he loves you, even whilst you were sinning and going after other things. If he's done that for you, do you think he's going to hold anything back for you now? Every good gift comes from God. So let's embrace the trials. Let's resist the temptations. And let's grow together through all this. Well, let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for showing us that through these trials comes temptation. And this temptation is not from you, but from our own innate desire. Please would you give us a clearer vision of you so that we may want you and say no to sin, no to temptation, and therefore grow in our faith and become more united as a gospel community. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.